Welcome to Where Does the Light Go? Bedtime stories to keep you up at night. In our last episode, we had left two small children all alone, clutching each other for warmth and comfort in the vast darkness of the impossibly deep forest. They say that in space, no one can hear you scream. But which is worse? When your screams fade out into the void of space, or when they soar and echo on the wind, and eventually fall upon hungry ears? This is episode two, the conclusion of Hansel and Gretel. Once upon a time. 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 It was now three days since Hansel and Gretel had left their father's house and been abandoned deep in the wood. They tried and tried to get back home, looking everywhere for signs of anything familiar. But no matter which way they turned or how far they walked, they only found themselves deeper and deeper in the dark and lonely wood. They worried that soon they would starve to death, or even worse, be eaten by the animals they had heard their father warn them about when he made them promise never to play beyond the edge of the forest. But children, Hansel and Gretel would soon see that it was not animals they needed to fear in the deep forest. In the afternoon on the fourth day, they came upon a pretty snow-white bird sitting on a tree bough and singing so sweetly that they stopped to listen. It seemed as though he was singing just for them. When he had finished, he spread his wings and flew in front of them, stopping every now and again as if he were beckoning them to follow. Hansel and Gretel were enchanted by his song and did just that. He led them along this way, singing merrily, until at last they came to a little house. The bird perched on the roof, and when Hansel and Gretel came nearer, they couldn't believe their eyes. Not only was it the first sign of other people they had seen in days, it seemed as though the walls of the house were built entirely of bread. And the roof? It was made of cakes dripping with icing. The windows were clear glass made of sugar, and countless gumdrops and candies danced up and down cheerfully in intricate patterns around the windows and door. Oh, children, just imagine how good that little house smelled to Hansel and Gretel, who had walked so far and gone so long without food. They thought that surely they must be dreaming. Gretel, do you see what I see? I, I think this house is made of food. Oh, Hansel, I feel like I dreamed this exact house last night. I'm so hungry, I don't know where to start. But should we? What if the person who lives here gets angry with us? I don't see any smoke coming from the chimney or light from the windows. I don't think anyone's home. 
Look, we'll just take a little bit, Gretel, just enough to... Here, we'll eat part of this wall first. That'll make a great meal. Then I'll grab some of that roof for us, and you get some of that window. Hansel reached up and broke off a bit of the roof, just to see how it tasted. And Gretel thought it smelled so delicious that she forgot all about being polite and stood by the window and gnawed at it. They were in such ecstasy after having gone so long without food that they almost didn't hear a thin voice call out from inside. Nibble, nibble like a mouse. Who is nibbling at my house? Hansel, did you hear that? It was probably only the wind, or my stomach, or yours. Gretel laughed and thought he was probably right, so they went on eating, forgetting all about the voice. Hansel, who found that the roof was particularly delicious, took down a huge piece of it, while Gretel pulled out a large round window pane with several sugared candies, and they sat down together to share their feast. They didn't hear the door open. They didn't hear the footsteps inching slowly down the path. They didn't see the crooked figure in black making its way closer and closer, sniffing the air and leaning on a cane with a gnarled, claw-like hand. Nibble, nibble like a mouse who is nibbling at my house. This time, the voice was right behind them, and they knew it was definitely not the wind. Hansel and Gretel sprang up and dropped the food in their hands as they clung to each other, terribly frightened. The cake suddenly felt like cement in Hansel's mouth, and Gretel stammered with sugary lips to apologize for eating the stranger's house, but was so terrified of what she saw, she couldn't get a word out. The figure's face was withered and pale, creased angrily like a piece of paper that had been balled in a fist. It was flanked by wisps of long, stringy silver hair that they could see had once been black as night. There were whiskers growing from her pointed chin. Her back was stooped, and her long, frail limbs ended in hands that were twisted with age and tipped with long, jagged fingernails. But she smiled at them kindly, and took them each by a shaking hand. Ah, my dear children, it's only me. No need to be afraid. Look, you can see that I'm just an old, old woman. Sweet little mice. But how did you end up so deep in my forest? You must come. Come inside. Come inside to rest and stay with me. You must be starving, and I have plenty of food. You'll be no trouble at all to me. I'm so lonely and there is no one here for me to love and to keep me company. Still shaking, Hansel and Gretel hesitantly let her lead them into her little house. Inside, they found that a huge meal had been laid out for them. Milk and pancakes with sugar, apples, and nuts. It was as though she had been waiting for them and knew exactly what they wanted. They stopped being afraid and eagerly ate the delicious meal. After they had eaten as much as their stomachs could hold, 
and with promises that there would be plenty more when they had rested, the old woman showed them to a cheery, warm room with two perfect little white beds. They were so tired after all they had been through in the forest, sleeping on the ground, that they laid themselves down on them and thought they were in heaven. They fell so quickly into such a deep sleep that they didn't hear her lock the bedroom door behind her with a click. Now, little children, cling tightly to your mothers and fathers and listen well. Do not follow old women blindly as Hansel and Gretel did. Their parents never knew to teach them to beware. For this old woman, though she seemed so nice and kind, was the most wicked kind of witch. She lay in wait for travelers in the forest. She had even built her little house of cakes and candies on purpose to lure them. Once they were in her trap, she killed them, cooked them, and with her sharp teeth, ate them all up. She would gorge herself until her belly swelled painfully under her ragged dress. Each time, it was a veritable feast day for her, and children were her special favorite. When she was through, there would be nothing left for their mothers and fathers to cry over, for she even ground their bones to make a savory crust for her pies. The witch's eyes were small and red like a rodent's. She could not see very far or very well, but had a particularly keen sense of smell. She knew very well when human creatures were near, and knew the smell of human children especially. When she smelled Hansel and Gretel nearby, and heard them stumbling ever closer after her bird, she let loose a wicked laugh and said triumphantly, <laughs> Finally, I have them now, and they will not escape me. And have them, she did. Early in the morning, before the children were awake, she got up to sniff them out as they lay sleeping peacefully. Soft, round cheeks, rosy with slumber. Her cruel tongue darted out to lick her dry, papery lips, and she inhaled deeply. She could almost taste them. Theirs was her favorite smell, the smell of children, sweet and musty. She cackled softly as she salivated. <laughs> nibble, nibble, my two little mice. What a fine feast I shall have. A very fine feast indeed. Before they were properly awake, the witch grasped Hansel with one withered hand and put the other over his mouth. Locking the still-sleeping Gretel in the room behind them, she dragged Hansel from the house and into the little stable that stood just behind it. He gasped and struggled, but she was so much stronger than she looked. She took him in her iron grip and threw him into a cage. He called and screamed for help, shaking the door as hard as he could, but it was no good. He was trapped, and it took only a glance around him to see that he was not the first person to have been in this cage. Dozens of names were scratched into the wood of the floor with pleas for help. The witch left Hansel in the stable and went back to Gretel and shook her awake. Get up, lazybones. Fetch some water and cook something nice for your brother to eat. Yes, 
Use plenty of sugar and don't be stingy. He's outside in the stable and must be fattened up. Much too skinny now. Yes. Fatten him up, and when he is just fat enough, <laughs> I will eat him. You be a good girl and do as I say. Hurry up, and I won't eat you. But your brother is bad, and bad little boys must be eaten. Now go! Gretel wept bitterly at the thought of her brother's fate. Then she plucked up her courage and tried to escape and save Hansel, but it was of no use. The witch had locked his cage against her, and even if she ran for help, she knew she'd be gone for days before she had any hope of finding anyone and had little chance of making her way out of the forest. And what would happen to Hansel if she left? Who would protect him? She had to obey. And so, every day, Gretel would be awakened the same way. Get up, lazy bones. Your brother is still too skinny. He must be fattened up. Gretel cooked the best meals she knew how for poor Hansel, while she got nothing but scraps and crab shells to eat. She warned Hansel what the witch planned to do, but he could see no means of escape either. So she slipped him a chicken bone from the kitchen. Each morning, while Gretel toiled away at her chores, the old woman visited the little stable. She poked at Hansel with her cane. He smelled delicious, but she could not see how much weight he had gained, try as she might with her weak, beady eyes. Now, boy, stretch out your finger here so I can tell if you will be fat enough. But Hansel and Gretel were so very clever. Hansel used the bone Gretel gave him instead of his finger to hold out to the witch. With her weak eyes, the witch could not see what it was, and supposing it to be Hansel's finger, puzzled over why, day after day, no matter how much Gretel toiled in the kitchen, he was not getting fatter. It's your fault, girl. You must feed him more, or I'll have to eat you both. Would you see me starve to death when I've been so kind to you? Four weeks had passed. Every day Gretel toiled. Every day Hansel ate. Every day the witch came to the stable to check on his progress. But Hansel still seemed to remain so thin that finally the witch lost all patience and flew into a terrible rage. Lazy bones, lazy bones! Now then, girl, be quick and draw water. Be he fat or be he lean, tomorrow I must cook him and eat him. Oh, children, weep for poor Gretel. What grief for this poor little sister to have to fetch the water for her brother to be cooked in. How the tears flowed down over her cheeks. She ran to her room, fell on her knees, and cried, Dear God, please help us. If we had been eaten by wild beasts in the forest, at least we would have died together. But this is more than I can bear. Spare me your lamentations, girl. They won't do you any good. You're hurting my ears and you're irritating me. Now then, get back to work. Early the next morning, the witch was back in Gretel's room. An eager grin split a black gash in her shriveled apple face as she beat at Gretel's bed with her cane to wake her. She hummed to herself and bounced on her toes as she waited impatiently for Gretel to get dressed for the day's work. Get up, lazy bones, get up. Big day today. 
Now make the fire and fill the kettle. First we will do the baking. I heated the oven already and kneaded all the dough. She pulled poor Gretel to her feet and pushed her out into the kitchen. Gretel could see the flames already dancing in the oven. Now then, girl, we must make sure the oven's hot enough for the bread to bake. Must be sure. Be a dear and creep in to see if it's properly hot. That mean old witch, the horrible thing. She told Gretel day after day she wouldn't eat her. But not only did she intend to eat her poor brother, she planned to shut the oven door on Gretel and bake her first. But that wicked, wicked witch was too eager. Gretel could see the drool that had dripped down onto her pointy chin in anticipation. She heard how the witch was sniffing her and smacking her terrible lips. Gretel knew what she was planning to do. She stood firm where she was and started to sniffle, pretending to cry. But I don't know how to do it. I've never used an oven before. How does it work? How can I even tell if it's hot enough? Can you teach me? Stupid mouse. The opening is big enough, don't you see? I could get in myself. But Gretel stayed where she was, continued to cry, and refused to move forward. The witch, in her haste, pushed past her. Move aside, idiot child, and I'll show you how. With that, children, the old witch stooped down and put her head and shoulders deep into the oven's mouth. See, lazy bones? Just like... But before she could say another word, Gretel leapt forward and with all her might gave the witch a giant push so that she fell farther into the oven. Gretel quickly slammed the iron door on her and locked it with the bar. Oh, how frightfully the witch howled as her clothes began to burn bright and curl away from her body. How piteously she cried as her skin began to crackle and pop bubbling up away from her muscle and bones beneath it. She shrieked in her misery, but Gretel ran away and left the wicked witch to burn until she was dead. She went straight to Hansel and threw open the stable door. Hansel, we're free. The old witch is dead. She unlocked the cage and out flew Hansel like a bird as soon as the door was opened. How happy they both were. They fell on each other's necks with tears of joy and danced and sang and kissed each other. Since they didn't have to fear the witch anymore, they went back into her house and threw open the shades. In every corner there stood chests of pearls and precious stones she had stolen from her victims through the years before she ate them up. I'd say these are worth more than the stones from our garden. Hansel filled his pockets, and Gretel fashioned a sack out of her apron and filled it with the treasure. Now we're free and we'll never be hungry. If only we can find our way out of the witch's forest. They packed some of the house to eat for their journey, though neither of them really had a taste for it anymore, and set out into the forest. This time, their spirits were full of happiness instead of dread, and the forest quickly grew brighter and the birds began to sing about them. The walk was long, but after two days, they finally came to their part of the forest. The way grew more and more familiar, and at last, they saw their father's house in the distance. They ran all the way there, rushed in the door, and jumped into their father's arms. 
He had hardly slept since he had abandoned them in the forest, and at first he thought he must be dead or dreaming. He had never stopped searching for his children. He wept into their faces and begged them to forgive him. But where is our stepmother, Daddy? It was then that their father told them the strangest thing. Two days ago, their stepmother had gotten a sudden fever that was so high it seemed like she was burning from the inside out. She died before he could return with the doctors. I'm so sorry, my dears. We buried her this morning. But the poor woodcutter had no more tears to shed for her. He was too happy that his children had returned to him. Hansel and Gretel told their father all about their time in the forest and at the witch's house. But with only a look passed between them, they decided it best not to tell their father the details of the witch's death. Then Gretel opened her apron and pearls and precious stones scattered all over the room. Hansel took one handful after another out of his pockets. They laughed with their father, and though their clothes and hair still smelled faintly of a strange smoke, all their worries were forgotten, and they lived happily ever after. Please join us next time for more bedtime stories to keep you up at night. This episode was read, written, and edited by Rebecca Ross, with Christopher Lee, Tom Mead, and Christopher Rossi, and based on the original story by the Brothers Grimm. Our theme music is by Christopher Rossi and performed by Pauline Miller. Where Does the Light Go is a spark plug production and is brought to you in part by the Ross Ranch Foundation, supporting artists since 1970. You can help us tell more stories by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Where Does the Light Go, wherever you get your podcasts, and by joining our Patreon, where you will also get access to more stories available exclusively for our generous sponsors. We're on the web at wheredoesthelightgo.com.